Let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Hey listeners, this is Nick from Scripture Central, and today's podcast addresses the question, what did Paul really teach about marriage? One of Paul's most misunderstood and misquoted teachings relates to his views on marriage. His most extensive discourse on this subject is found in his first epistle to the Corinthians, as he responded to their belief that it is good for man not to touch a woman. Addressing multiple groups, Paul defended marriage as a covenantal relationship. First, Paul addressed those who were married, directly answering their concern. Paul declared, To avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. In other words, Marital intimacy is approved and helps avoid sin. Although this is not clear in the King James Version, according to a more recent rendition of the text, Paul reinforced this idea as follows. Let the husband grant conjugal rights to his wife, and likewise the wife conjugal rights to her husband. A wife does not hold exclusive rights over her own body. Her husband also has rights. Neither does a husband hold exclusive rights over his own body. His wife also has rights. Do not deprive each other of intimate relations. Paul only grants one concession to this rule, namely, if both the husband and wife decide to temporarily stop sexual relations so they may spend time in prayer. Even though Paul would not normally agree that sexual relations should be suspended even for extended periods of prayer, as noted in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5, given these members' disposition, he was willing to meet them halfway. Furthermore, Paul counseled those who were married to avoid divorce, stating that marriage was a commandment from the Lord. He even extended this counsel to a married partner who was not a member. Paul counseled them to avoid divorce in the hopes that the member spouse might bring the gospel into their home, sanctifying their spouse and children. Paul believed that husbands and wives with testimonies of Christ could be instrumental in conversion and eventual salvation of their disbelieving spouses. As noted by Richard D. Draper and Michael D. Rhodes, while the wider Greco-Roman world would divorce at every whim, the Lord viewed marriage as a sacred covenant that should only be exited in very few circumstances. Next, Paul addressed the widowers and widows. To this group, Paul stated his opinion that it is good for them to remain even as I am, possibly referring to an unmarried status following the death of a spouse. In general, Paul offered his opinion that they should not remarry unless they could not control their passions. While this could be seen as a negative view of marriage, according to Rhodes and Draper, Paul's point was that those whose sexual passions kept them from total devotion to the gospel should marry, or they would lose their souls. Part of Paul's hesitance to promote remarriage might be explained by his later comments to those who had never been married. Paul spoke of an impending crisis that led him to believe that it's best for a person to remain as he is for the coming season. That is, those engaged should see their marriage through, while those not courting anyone should be cautious in choosing to pursue a relationship at that time. Thus, his advice at that moment appears to be based on some immediate situation that the Corinthian church was facing. Paul apparently wanted to spare them additional pain, caused by this looming yet undefined time of trouble. This echoes the Lord's instruction to not marry that was given to the prophet Jeremiah in light of the impending Babylonian invasion. While we are not sure what the crisis in Paul's day was, 
it is possible that it dealt with developing steps towards heresy and apostasy, and needed to prepare spiritually and serve individually against persecution and conflict. The last group Paul addressed were those currently serving in the ministry. While this context is largely absent from the Greek manuscripts, verse 35 does clarify that Paul's words were intended to promote good order and undistracted service to the Lord. Furthermore, the Joseph Smith translation of the Bible clarifies that the counsel given in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 29-35 through 35, is limited in scope to those who were currently serving as missionaries. Ultimately, Paul admonished them that because the time is short, they needed to focus on their ministry first and foremost. However, Paul knew that this advice could not be applied to everyone who had been called to the ministry, and so he offered further advice to them in verses 36-38. through 38. Specifically, Paul told them that they should already be engaged. There were valid reasons why these missionaries should marry their fiancés in lieu of or in addition to their missionary service. Still, it was preferable to first fulfill one's mission. Because of this, Paul wrote, So one who marries his fiancée does well, but one who does not get married does better, having first finished their temporary call from the Lord. Throughout his epistles, it becomes clear that Paul had a high regard for marriage. In a later letter, Paul even described marriage as a mystery. This word carried over into English from the Greek word mysterion, which originally understood to describe the sacred rites associated with some kinds of temple worship. As such, throughout all of Paul's writings, marriage is to be seen as a sacred covenant connected with a temple ordinance. To avoid misunderstanding or misconstruing Paul's counsel regarding marriage in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, these passages must be placed in their proper context. Both missionary service and marriage were held in great esteem by Paul and were needed in their own time, with nuanced recommendations given for different circumstances. Ultimately, according to Paul, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. Latter-day Revelation clarifies that only when a man and woman are sealed in the temple by proper priesthood authority can they receive the fullest blessings from their Heavenly Father. As taught by President Russell M. Nelson, this life is the time to prepare for salvation and exaltation. In God's eternal plan, salvation is an individual matter. Exaltation is a family matter. Thank you for listening to this presentation from Scripture Central. For more information, please visit scripturecentral.org.